The Production Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, Julian Rogers, and Dan Cooper. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 368. It's May the 7th, 2019. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Dan Cooper. And uh, deals this month, uh, we've got a number of uh, interesting deals from our partners, uh, including uh, deals from Avid, Focusrite, Sonarworks, as well as some great B-Stock offers on Avid products from RSPE on our deals page. So check that out. Link will be in the podcast article. Okay, uh, straight on to Talking Points, and these are sponsored by Universal Audio. Good morning, children. This is Fab DuPont. The Protos Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Radio. Until the end of June 2019, buy Universal Audio Apollo Twin or Arrow Audio Interface and get Antares Autotune Real-Time Advanced, Manly Voxbox, UA's Oxide Tape, Pure Plate Reverb plugins and many more as part of their desktop platinum vocal promotion. Just purchase and register any new Apollo Twin Mark II, Apollo Twin USB or Arrow audio interface and start recording album quality vocals with up to $896 in UAD plugins along with the included real-time analog classics bundle absolutely free. Okay, so first talking point, uh, article that uh, Russ wrote uh, over the weekend. Do you want to be a success in the recording industry? Here's the kind of luck you need. Um, yeah, luck. My first reaction is luck my foot, but uh, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, Dan, what did you uh, make of uh, Russ's what, this whole issue about luck? Luck, um, it doesn't really exist. I know James is uh, quite sensitive to that word as well. When people walk into his studio and go, "Wow, aren't you lucky?" Um, if you ever want to see James with a, a grumpy face, say that to him because it hurts him. Um, because it's not luck, it's hard work uh, that gets us to where we are in our careers, wherever we're, especially when we're proud of our um, success as well. And we, we've been fortunate enough to uh, have opportunities. Now, that that there is actually um, what people don't quite get, I don't think, um, when they're coming into this the music industry. People believe luck gets people up the ladder it isn't it's actually taking opportunities uh and applying yourself proving yourself working hard networking doing things for free earning money doing whatever you can to move yourself forwards um it's just bloody hard work at the end of the day and it's easy to sort of think oh you know luck will get me up to the next run in the ladder it doesn't i've been doing this 10 years um no, I think I think I've only had one piece of what I would call luck, uh, and that wasn't in my professional life. It was in my personal life. That was meeting my wife. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, Dan, and and also you had a real piece of luck with your Google ranking earlier on in your studio career. But is that was that was that down to something my you luck. did, or was that just like? Oh. Oh, my luck. Yeah. What, what Recording Studios South London. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. got me to the top of Google. That was luck. No, not at all. That was SEO. That was hours so and was hours that, of work. So was that actually, work? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, hours I'm, of work. Honestly, um, it was um, every client I worked with asking them politely for a, a written review, things like that. Um, it was writing blogs, much like I do now, to help support 
my uh, online presence, all those things. And it was in my downtime after a 10 hour shift working with clients, working hard to, to grow my profile. Um, and yeah, you know, again, as you just said there, that was luck getting to the top of Google. It wasn't, it was hard work. Um, it was unlucky when Google changed its algorithm <laughs> and I lost that position. Um, but yeah, I suppose that's, that's it really, isn't it? You get, a, there is unlucky times in the music industry and in your career, but you can kind of avoid yeah, those I, if you work hard. And you I, can print I, them. I think those unlucky moments are things beyond your control. Um, I'll give you a very good example of of the both ends of this uh, spectrum. Um, I have the dubious reputation of being the first person to do a live Dolby Pro Logic uh, broadcast, a TV broadcast in the UK. Uh, it was a football match. But uh, that wasn't luck. That was um, a, a situation of being in the right place at the right time. I was asked by uh, Granada, who were one of the UK independent broadcasters at the time, now all part of ITV, um, could I rent them an 8-track recorder? Uh, and me being me, instead of saying ye- basically yes, I said, what do you want it for? And they said they wanted to do a Dolby Pro Logic experiment. At that point, uh, it, this is a serious case of don't do as I say, do as don't do as I do, do as I say. I, I always say never, um, to, be, to put it bluntly, bullshit your way into a job, as it will find you out. Um, but on this occasion, I said, fine, yeah, okay, we can we can sort that out. And I spent pretty well most of the next twenty four hours researching Dolby Amos, so that I knew what we we would need to do. Uh, turned up with machine. Uh, hung it off the back of uh, the OB truck, uh, picked up the appropriate feeds that I now knew what I wanted, um, went back, uh, got the Dolby hardware from Dolby to do the uh, the mix, presented it to uh, the senior management at Granada, and said, okay, I'll put me on my money where my mouth is. I will do you the first live transmission for free, and if it's all successful, then... Um, We'll take it from there. Uh, it was a success, and I got three years' work doing Dolby Atmos mixes for soccer or football in the UK um, until the head of sport left Granada, the person who had been to America, heard Sporting Surround and wanted it. Uh, he left, and the next day that uh, job was in the bin because the new head of sport didn't want to spend the money on it. It's not, you know, some people would say that was lucky and unlucky. I would say it was being in the right place at the right time, having the skill base, uh, and uh, and then work, working very hard um, to make it all work, and then it being uh, circumstances beyond my control, which meant that when Granada didn't want to do it anymore, uh, that was that. It wasn't unlucky. It was just uh, there was not. It was something I had no control over. Yeah. Well, my take on it is that I'm going to say that uh, it. I would love to be able to say, oh, yes, everything I've ever done has been some laser-guided decision that I've planned from afar and everything's come <laughs> together and the stars have aligned. And that's not true, actually, because, I mean, there's a quote here, um, uh, history is written by the victors, you know, that thing? Mm-hmm. And stuff that works out is kind of like, oh, yes, absolutely. But actually, I'm thinking about a couple of significant sort of career moments that I can put down to 
some of it comes down to hard work, but some of it kind of doesn't. It's, it's, it's clouded slightly. A uh, good example might be um, my first, why well, laughingly refer to a studio job, job in, in first that I got paid, which, yeah, we'll come back to that another time, really. But <laughs> my first studio experience um, came from uh, a friend of a friend, knew someone who, uh, who like, owned the, uh, uh, my most local studio and uh, introduced me to him because I didn't know him before, didn't know him at all. And I was quite a young guy and probably wouldn't at the time have just kind of gone up and knocked the door and said, hi. Although, of course, everyone says you should do that. Actually, realistically, that's not what I was going to do. But at the time, I owned a, uh, a Juno 106. And this guy was heavily into his analogue polysynths. And we got talking and I said I had one. And he had a... a uh, an Alpha Juno 2, which is the kind of like slightly newer sort of Juno that had the membrane switches and looked a bit like a DX7, but was still basically a, an analog polysynth. And his ears pricked up and he went, oh, that's cool. Um, do you want to keep it here? And one thing <laughs> followed, and basically it had nothing to do with me. But off the back of that, I'm, he was useless, frankly. I'm, I'm sure he won't be listening to this, and I'm not going to name him. But he was—he it was his studio, but he wasn't a very good engineer, and I'd have learnt very little from him. But his kind of like house tech guy was a really clever guy, and he's the person who set me off on finding out what goes on under the hood of lots and lots of things that I, that I now understand a lot better than I would have done any other way. Another good example, it would be. Um, uh, uh, how I got started in kind of like the pro the the pro end of the audio industry, as in people doing high end work with nice gear and getting paid properly, and this all came from getting into doing uh, getting into doing like corporate live sound because I'd been doing rock and roll kind of live sound, and well, you know, put this the glamour runs runs thin on that basically immediately because you just get underpaid, work too hard, and get treated terribly, but. I found none of those things applied to doing corporate sound where actually I got treated rather well and, and fed and got given hotels and got my expenses paid and all sorts of things. And it was great and I wanted to get into that. And basically the only reason I ended up working for such a good company as I started working for was just because of the part of the country I lived in. And they happened to have an awful lot of work in the Midlands and uh, all of their crew lived in lived in, in London and didn't want to go out for a, a day's work uh, out to out to my neck of the woods. And off the back of that, things kind of picked up. But is that planning? I don't think it is, you know? No, it's being in the right place at the right time. That's which... another way of, of putting it. Something that I've said a, a great many times, though, which is isn't luck at all um, and isn't work either, um, and actually, I'd, I'd argue it's possibly more important than both, is being a decent human being that people want to spend any time at all around. My favourite my favorite piece of advertising in, in this whole industry um, has to go to Larry Crane of Tapop, who for his studio, uh, Jackpot Recording is his place. Um, I love his ad just because it just says he's listing the things about his place and it's kind of, yeah, so and such a board and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then it says, not a jerk. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, you had me at not a jerk, basically. <laughs> Fantastic. The most successful guy that I that I worked with probably doing the, the corporate stuff was a guy who used to do, uh, used, he, he used to do lots and lots of stuff for kind of like... Um, uh, UK political parties doing kind of like their party conferences and stuff. Mm. And these are lots of very kind of like uh, humorous people who are throwing money around to get some quite serious work done. 
And I expected this guy to be pretty sort of buttoned down and serious. The guy was an anarchist. I mean, he was such a laugh. But the thing is, um, and, and also not the, of, the, of the skills he had, being a great person to spend time around was top of the list. He had a working knowledge of audio, but he really, you know, I mean, that wasn't his thing. It was that people liked him and wanted to work with him, so he kept getting booked, and that's what it came down to. I'm not saying be be like the party guy, because that's a different thing entirely. But if people don't want to spend time around you, they don't have to, especially not in a in a freelance-based industry. And if you're serious and worky, but you're you're not doing you're not being somebody that somebody people want to be around, you're not going to get called. It's a service service trade industry. You cannot forget that you've got to work with people and you've got to be able to develop your um, uh, your abilities to listen to people and also to be able to uh, say things to people in a way that they want to hear you as well. Um, you've got to have all those skills as well as having skills in actually making music or working with audio. It's got to be, I think, 50-50. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think luck, have it go back to that quickly, that the mindset of luck um, that will help you along your way is a lazy mindset. Uh, luck yes. is lazy. It's, that's it. It's what kids do. It's what one of my kids is doing at the moment with their, uh, I'm not going to say what exams they're doing, but it's, <laughs> it's on the doorstep. The exams to come up. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Yes, it's on the doorstep and yeah. said child has been very lazy and believes they're going to do very well. Um, and it's that luck sort of attitude. I'll be fine, not, I'll wing it. I'll be fine, not. yeah. I'm, I'm doing all the work now, I'll be fine. Not the case. Um, yeah, we had yeah. the cheek of saying, or, uh, saying, oh, I'd like a mm. tutor for the next few weeks. And I said, hmm, you've had free tutoring for the last yeah. two years. You chose yeah, not to use it. Or school for the last two years, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, it's, that, it's that luck mentality. There isn't any. There's a really good thing here, which, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a hackneyed old phrase, but, oh, it's so true, crushingly true at times. But, you know, the better prepared you are, the luckier you get, you know? Yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just, just hard work. That's all it is. There's no, there's no secret to that. And you ask anyone in the industry, even someone that's been doing it for a year, they'll tell you how hard they've worked to be at least 12 months into it, you know? Um, yeah, and that's it. Just work hard. Work hard on yourself. Uh, that, that's, that's the secret. Yeah, I mean, again, coming back to the do as I say, not do as I did, uh, you know, I, obviously, at that point in time, I knew nothing about Dolby Surround, but my advice always is never, ever say you can do something when you can't. Um, I said I could hire them a multi-track tape recorder, which I could. Um, I just basically made made myself um, useful and so got the job to do the mix down and therefore um, and then got the job to do the job. It, you know, you could say it's being in the right place at the right time, but it, but also I had a track record with these people. I'd been doing outside broadcasts, location recording for you know a good number of years. So they had trust. Trust yes, was there, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but I think one of the key things that uh, that you both touched on is what is really important about what we do isn't actually so much about what technology we understand and what techniques we know but actually how well we relate to people. Because if we don't relate to people, if we are a jerk, uh, you will only get one job from someone uh, at best. And if you get a reputation around the industry as being a jerk, 
you'll be lucky to get any more work. <laughs> this pl- this industry, well, yeah, we may be a worldwide you know industry, but it's actually a very very small place. Um, and my other thought is is again is is treating new entrants well being polite and being helpful wherever possible because you never know that new entrant could be your um could be a client in a month you know in a week uh, sorry in a uh, yeah. could be a, a client in the next year or so or a couple of years um and if you were nice to them, they remember that. And what's that phrase? Be nice to people on the way up because you'll see them again on the way down. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That. Yes. That was the, yes. Yes. Exactly where I was going. Very with that. true. Very true. <laughs> um, and so, and in many respects, it's. I think it's one of the things that we don't teach enough, and we don't perhaps model enough is personal relationships and how we deal with with clients. Um. Because we can have this, the, all the skills in the world in terms of uh, recording techniques, uh, what, whatever, editing, speech, whatever it happens to be. But I couldn't have you know, be, done all the work that I've done as a freelancer. Uh, I mean, I've been a freelancer uh, since 1990. Um, if, you know, if I can't relate to people, there's no way I'd still be sat here doing this. <laughs> if I didn't relate to people well. Now, I know that there are some clients who don't like my style, uh, so I may have done a, a job for them once and not got repeat work, but there are lots of clients for whom I got a huge amount of repeat work and also uh, referrals from. Um, so again, it's knowing what your style is. Uh, I know that basically clients of mine respect the fact that i will have an input in terms or and a view in terms of what's what we're doing um i don't push that uh view on people um but i will voice the view but if the client says no that's not the way we want to do it then that's absolutely fine we we do it the way the client wants to do it but i will express a view now i know that there have been some clients of mine who haven't liked me having an input um but again it's it's knowing where you stand knowing what it is you're supposed to be doing when you're there. Yes. Absolutely. Something that occurs to me is, uh, is it's about knowing your faults. And certainly, yes. I mean, I've the, the majority of the work that I've done has been pretty, pretty sort of pressured stuff. I mean, kind of like recording sessions actually are rather nice just because if something goes wrong, eh, it doesn't matter and it can just go again yeah. um, most of the time. <laughs> um, but uh certainly if you're doing anything involved in in a live event you you don't have that luxury and in those kind of environments what people want is they just want you to tell them that everything is going to be fine and then for it to be fine afterwards and certainly something that i know that i've done that i've done too much in the past and i check myself on is giving people too many choices saying oh can we do this and yeah sure we can do it like this or like that or i mean if you prefer we could do it like that and we could get a thing and then do this they don't want to hear that what they want to hear is they want to hear yeah we can do that yeah and then they feel safe and that's all of it and it's that kind of thing that you learn with experience on the way in knowing a lot and sharing that and being helpful isn't necessarily the right thing to do you need to pay attention to the bigger picture on these things and that kind of stuff you can only work out later Trust your instincts, follow them, build them. Those are the things that are going to get you through. 
It's instincts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's instinct. Uh, Those instincts usually come with a lot of hard work. They do. And they, skill and, and expertise. Learning and from your mistakes. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that's, that's actually, you've, you, yeah, nail on head there, Dan. Learn from Learning from your mistakes then actually feeds your instinct because you think, yeah, all right, I haven't done this exact thing before, <laughs> but I've done similar things, and actually that's the way we need to go. Make mistakes. Learn from them. Just make sure the mistakes aren't so big that you don't get a chance to make more mistakes in the future. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but it's okay. If you make mistakes, just make it right. Own up. Own up. Get it right. You know, hands up. Whoops. Don't. No excuses. No whatever. Just I'll no. turn that around. It's fixed. Consider it done. Even if you know, you're giving money back, whatever. Make exactly. it right. Make it right. It's done. Exactly. You know? Because in, in both in my experience and, and talking to others, the thing is if you hold your hands up and say, okay, I made a mess, uh, but I'll fix it, it will, you know, and you go the extra mile, what people remember under those circumstances is actually not that you got it wrong. They remember that you fixed it. So they come away with a positive thing. Those people who try and um, lie and bullshit, to put it subtly, uh, out of an error, out of mistake, oh, it was the equipment's fault, oh, Pro Tools was crap, it crashed, oh, what, whatever. Um, Though what people go away with, what the clients go away with, is a negative uh, memory. And, oh, that guy's no good. You know, he just didn't do the job right, the gear broke or whatever but if you fix it and you go the extra mile so you don't just fix it but you go that bit further um that's what people remember okay i think we should move along um dan competitions yes competition coming we have got one over the month of may Uh, we've partnered with our friends over at sonable to offer you the chance of winning one of three copies of sonable's special AI EQ bundles worth €289. Now, this bundle includes Smart EQ2, Proximity EQ and Entropy EQ. It's a very cool little suite of plugins, this. Do check it out. Uh, and uh, give you just to give you a heads up, we've got a, a a competition coming up on the win page in the partner competition section uh, from our friends at New Gen Audio. They're going to be running a competition um where you can win the producer bundle uh, and then the runner-up gets £100 worth of vouchers. Uh, But the competition is they're looking for ways that you use their uh, rather clever utility called Sigmod. Um, Check out the site if you're not sure what I'm talking about. We've done quite a bit of uh, tutorials and demos on uh, Sigmod. Um, uh, Very simple but clever utility uh, and they're looking uh, for the, uh, in their eyes, the cleverest uh, application of uh, Sigmod. So uh, just just a heads up for you on that one. Okay, um, second talking point. Um, really comes off the back of Audrey's latest article, uh, where she has um, given us a lot of information and outlined how she uh, approached recording uh, some for her unusual instruments in this case it was uh chinese uh instruments uh, and so i thought we'd have a discussion about how we each of us approach and maybe give some examples uh miking up um things um that perhaps we are unfamiliar with and how we go about doing that 
Um, Julian, let's start with you. Oh, um, okay. We're going to delve deep into the folk zone here just because probably the strangest things that I've recorded um, have kind of, I don't know, uh, just, you know, less usual folk instruments, really. But um, my my first introduction to to kind of uh, odd instruments, and actually they're pretty conventional when you look at them and you go, okay, I, I've got this, I, I get it, I understand how it works. But one of my one of my earliest uh, um, live jobs was doing the Asian Music and Media Awards in in Birmingham in the UK. And this was all lots and lots of South Asian instruments. And it was looking at the channel list that kind of got me a little bit. And I was going, I don't know what, I don't know the difference between a dole and a dolak. <laughs> and I don't know what of this. And basically when I turned up, they're all drums and they all went rang, tang, 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 incredibly loud and sounded absolutely awesome through this huge system. It was such a laugh, this, this gig. Um, and so loud, so very loud. But, you know, just a load of kind of like super happy people pounding the hell out of a load of drums all en masse was incredible. And a drum that you, you kind of get. You get you do get these kind of like you, you tuned drums with kind of like any kind of like trumpet-shaped thing out the bottom of, which are maybe a slightly slightly different case if you're only used to dealing with, um, with drum kit-style drums. But, you know, a drum's a drum's a drum, so I'm going to kind of like gloss over those, even though some of them have got kind of possibly unfamiliar names if you're not familiar with that kind of thing. Um, we've... I've, I've spoken about this before on the site, and I know, Dan, this is one you've come across. But, mm, yeah, accordions. Uh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and oh. these, but they're a God. really good – they're a really good source for that kind of uh, – um, for, for as a teaching resource. And I used to work with an extremely good accordion player. She was fantastic. And I recorded her a few times. And it's not an easy thing to record. It really isn't. Just because it moves, but – You've got two parts of it that both make a sound and are both moving compared to each other. And if you're dealing with a player who will not place um, uh, sitting down, she she had to stand and she'd also sway quite a lot as she played. <laughs> they do that. And it's moving in, oh, in yes. many different directions, in many different... And, yeah, do not try to use space mics on these things. But I did yes. actually end up... My preferred way of doing it when I ended up doing doing this a few times was to use um, three microphones. And I kind of did it in a relatively crafty way that I could kind of get away with, but it involved it involved low pass filters and all sorts because yeah, doing well, it. I mean, you've got I the drone it. part as well as then the melody part. Yeah, you've got you've got you've got on the left you've you've got the buttons and you've got the and they're playing chords effectively. And if you don't know how those things work, they are clever because it's all based around the circle of fifths and it's yeah, mm. and you can move around in any direction you want. And then, depending on what you've got, these 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 were piano accordions, but some of them were, I think, they're, they're musette are the ones that are sort of detuned. So they've got like a chorusing effect, but you know. And then there's other ones that are a bit plainer sounding, but and they're all really, really fancy looking. I mean, there's a lot of them coming out of kind of uh, Italy, and they're very kind of like pimped, for want of a better word. Yeah, really quite flashy instruments, but you know. Any instrument in the hand of someone who can play it properly is a beautiful thing, you know, because mm. some of these things get quite a bad press and that's just people playing them badly. She was fantastic at playing this thing. But the thing is, the thing was moving around and if you tried it with with a space pair, you were on a hiding to nothing. You really were. So, yeah, bit of a special case, that one. One of my in, my... in my live days, one of the funniest requests I've ever had was a guy who came and sat 
pretty much maybe 18 inches, two feet away from a drum kit on a small stage covered in wedge monitors. I mean, we're not talking any IMs here. We're talking proper, proper noisy foldback on stage. Um, and uh, <laughs> pulled over just like a, an SM58 and pointed at a hang. Do you know, are you familiar with a hang? No. Lots of people hang. call it lots of people call it a well, hang drum. And it's yeah, not a, it's not a drum. It's no. it's, it's called it's a hang. It's an upside down it's, it's a UFO. It's 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 like a wok. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, yeah, it, and it's, it's a metallophone, it's tuned, it's got this big kind of like bass port in the middle that makes this boom sound. You'll know the sound of it. It's like it. yeah, it's yeah. like it's a, very popular. It's like a steel drum. Mm-hmm. But you play it with your hands and it, it's yeah, and it's melodic and it's a really cool instrument. Very yeah. very cool. Very new. It's invented by a Swiss who kind of who apparently wouldn't wouldn't sell them. You had to kind of like come and sort of almost audition to have one. I think they've got easier to get now. But anyway, this guy had one. But the thing is, this is not a loud instrument. And it only said I pulled fifty out over and it said, "Can I have plenty of that on my monitor, please?" And I think you're eighteen <laughs> inches away from a snare drum. You're getting nothing. <laughs> but, uh, you know what can you do? Yeah. Other ones that yeah. I'd say. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever ever recorded or mics up any pipes, but I've done. I've, I did a tour with a guy playing, amongst many other things, Breton pipes, which are like mm. Highland pipes, yeah, or maybe Elaine pipes or Northumberland pipes, but they're not bellowed. They're proper blow into a bag jobs. They're not blown yeah. up by, uh, but they're much much bigger, much longer, much softer than Highland pipes, mm. um, and. You've got to know this kind of geography on this thing just because it's like, what do the bits do? And you've got the chanter and you've got the drones and where's the sound coming from and where you're trying to get it from and all that kind of thing. If you understand how an instrument makes the noise it's making, exactly. you're in with a fighting chance. If you don't yes. know that, you're going to end up sticking a 57 down the end of a saxophone and wondering why it sounds terrible. And it's like... Yeah, mm, yeah that's you know. one of my pets. <laughs> that is really is one of my <laughs> pet subjects. And it's, it's fine, it's so an RE20 po- still pointing in the wrong place, mate. Yeah, you're stuffing it down the bell. The only time any noise comes out of a Saxophone down from the end of the bell is when all the keys are down. After exactly, that, exactly. Oh, but but yeah. my my, but, my proudest ah. moment on any scribble strip on any mixer ever was <laughs> hurdy gurdies. Note oh, use of plural, yes. more than one. And again, <laughs> it's just kind of um, same goes for nickel harper. I used to know a player who played a lot of nickel harper, which is um, it's a Scandinavian instrument that's like a bowed, keyed sort of quasi violin. It's it's like halfway between a violin and a hurdy gurdy. Mm. loads of crazy loads loads of I, mean, I shouldn't call them crazy, loads of less than usual instruments mm. but uh, if you understand how they work and where the noise is coming from it doesn't matter if you haven't seen it before as long as you understand the physics of what it's doing exactly and often the uh the player the musician who's playing it is your friend here because they understand the instrument that they uh, are playing. They play it more um, than you. <laughs> exactly. And they've usually got a pretty good idea where the noise, you know, the, the where the noise is coming from. Um, and, and, of course, the other uh, kind of obvious, but whenever I'm presented with something unusual, is I go in the room and walk around and listen and uh, I just get the player to play it and just have a listen and find out where... It might work in terms of miking it. Maybe I need w- more than one mic. Um, Mechanical noise. That's something I listen yeah, for when that's yeah. going on. Like, what is there a sound in this instrument that is going to catch me out later, or is that part of the instrument? You know, just yeah. Yeah, talking about like key, thing, key, keyed it, reeds know? is a good one for that. 
Just yeah. because, I mean, something like a saxophone is an extraordinarily noisy piece of equipment. Oh, yeah, know? all the keys, <laughs> clunk, 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 clunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what we were talking about, I mean, things that people, things that people kind of uh, approach wrong, in my experience, tend to be, I think people get woods wrong a lot. Woods, woods and, and brass, because yes. they're possibly less usual. I think, I think people usually tend to do pretty well on strings, but maybe not quite so much on woods and brass. Depends on the room. I've heard some horror, horror recordings of some strings, and it's just the room wasn't flattering. Uh you know, it's not a case of the microphone was too close to the things because that never works, uh, in my opinion, on on strings. Right. But uh, but then you've got to rely on the room, and if the room's just you know like a, de- a dead's bedroom where you can sort of hear it, it's not. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You need something with a bit of vibe and life yeah. to it. And, and combining those two subjects, I, I have I remember a a, a a situation where we were recording uh, piano and solo violin in a national trust property so uh, uh, uh and we thought okay yeah great pair of space omnis over the top it'll just work superbly easy to sling drop them over yeah thank you uh what we didn't um consider was the musician the violinist swayed a lot and so as you were talking about before about spaced omnis not being the best idea for yeah. something that moves um Yes, the the what you what we ended up with was um, this musician appeared to be swaying across virtually the entire stereo image. Uh, yes, um, it's po- it's probably one of the reasons why I'm I'm not a great fan of um, spaced omnis. Uh, you know, you do tend to yeah, you know, we're, we're human. We do tend to say, okay, that one dropped me in it. I'm not doing that again. Uh, but but also coming from a broadcast background, um, mono compatibility has always been high up my agenda. Um, and I remember going to record. Uh, well, I was I was doing and I, I was working as the sound guy for the for an OB uh, for a classical concert over in um, Salzburg, and uh, I was basically just a sustaining engineer because they had decided they were taking the the sound feed from. Uh, Decker, uh, sorry, from um, one of the big German recording companies because they were recording an album. And so really all I had was a stereo pair coming in on the desk on the truck and putting that down onto onto VT. And it was full of spaced omnis. And when I pressed the mono button, it was not a pleasant sound. Anyway, I digress somewhat. <laughs> um, Dan, what about you in terms of instruments that uh, were unfamiliar to you? Um, I'll never forget the day... Uh, a client come in with a harp that was bigger than them um, <laughs> oh, into the yeah. studio. Um, this petite, petite woman. Mm. Um, you know, she shook my hand and uh, oh, okay, let's let's go into the studio and record. Um, I'm just going to get my my harp, okay? And uh, yeah, she lugged this thing on a trolley. I was, oh god, this thing's bigger than me. It's huge. Uh, got it into the studio. I just looked at it and thought, oh crap, I've never done this before. But I'm not going to let on. I'm just going to get on with it. <laughs> Space pair. Um, yeah, just move, moving the microphones around until it sounded as I expected it to sound, as I could hear it in the room. It's the same mm. things you just said there, Mike. I was walking yeah. around listening to this thing, listening for the uh, the, the mechanical sounds. The, the pedal was making quite a bit of noise. So uh, microphones yeah. were up high to sort of get away from that. 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'll never forget when I did the first sort of pass and I said, Could just, you know, just play anything. And she did the whole sort of like dream sequence sound you get on a harp. <laughs> yes. It was, yeah, so, oh, flashback. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. Great. A really good session. It, it works. It sounded really cool. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, that takes us in some respects back to where we started, because of course, the previous article from Audrey uh, about recording strings in inverted commas was her experiences of uh, recording a harp. Uh, so if you do want to uh, get a sense of some techniques and listen to some examples of how to record a harp, then uh, do check out Audrey's article on the site. Okay, uh, the clock ticketh. Um, so let's move along. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, so find of the week, and these are sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. And our friends at RSPE, as I was alluding to earlier on when we were talking about the deals, are running a sale of uh, Avid B-Stock items. They're the open box items, but are all in effectively near-perfect condition, and they carry a full warranty. But of course, being open box and B-Stock stuff, there aren't that many of them. Um, so uh, if you want to check out what they've got in stock at the moment, then do follow the link in the podcast article. Uh, checked uh, earlier today at the moment, they've got some great deals on a Pro Tools dock, an artist mix, HDX card, 16x16 HDIO, uh, a very good price on an Avid MTRX if you want to get into that, or an S3 control surface. Most of them are typically around two-thirds of the list price. So check that out. Okay, so find of the week. Uh, Dan, what's yours? Hot off the press. Um, the audience uh, Nero, uh, that, that monitor controller looks absolutely brilliant. Um, for three less than 300 quid, it is properly sorted. It looks really cool. Uh, just sort of thinking of other monitor controllers in that sort of price range and obviously but, uh, the, the big knob uh <laughs> can never stop it say that i'm sorry i was no. gonna say julian you've got one of <laughs> but for me one of the interesting things is is it, it is a fully featured stereo monitoring it we is. do need to stress it's stereo it's not surround or, or anything no, no. like that but it is stereo but the fact that you've got uh controls for the different ins and outs so that you can trim them up uh it's obviously got things like talkback mic and so headphones. on and so forth that, yeah that's great i mean was it four headphone outs on that that yeah very very smart very smart yeah it's definitely a, a musician's tool um yeah i like it it's uh i looked over at my spl old faithful mm-hmm. and just thought let's get looking a bit long in the tooth maybe maybe uh Time for a little switcheroo yeah, at some point. 
that's never been uh it, the problem is that it's there weren't you know not so long ago there weren't that many mods of controllers to choose from no. uh, but i was never particularly taken with the spl one especially the surround uh versions because it just seemed pretty crude and uh not really that useful um so no it's good to see i mean audience have had a, a, a had their toes in the uh, monitor controller world before but it was a very specialized product um but this is uh, this looks looks as though they've done their homework uh, and it will is a very nice fit mm. into their range of products yeah the tr the trick with them and i have to say as the owner of a big knob is um <laughs> stop it is that um on the the i mean you you look at things like, like the, the the crane song and stuff and these kind of like you know multi thousand pound monitor controllers and if you if you can think well, how come that's so dear and then you you use one and you go oh mm. yeah that's why and you turn the knob and you hear a load of relays going in this rack unit down by your feet and basically it's it's absolutely pinned and no matter where you set it it's going to be putting exactly the same level into both uh, into into both speakers, you do not get that with a sixty quid monitor controller. And there are places on that pot, you know, and you can't complain. It was sixty pounds, <laughs> but there mm. are places on that pot where you're definitely kind of like the stereo image you is wandering go. a little bit, and you know, <laughs> and it's like, uh, and you cannot complain. You get what you pay for, you know. Mm. Um, but pretty much, the, pretty much the top line of this thing from Audion is they're talking about matching the two sides of the stereo pot, and I thought, right, okay, that's yeah. That's the first thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it looks interesting. So, uh, Julian, what's your uh, find of the week? Oh, me. Okay. Um, uh, headphones, Neumann NDH20s. I, I have a pair. Um, they're right next to me. I'm not wearing them right now because... Why um, not? Well, read, <laughs> read the piece that's coming up in a minute. And oh, yes. See what my, uh, you know, unfortunately, but, I have. So that's yeah, why that's this why This podcast was... <laughs> over an hour long and, you know... Yes. Um, but yeah, basically, they are lovely things. They really are. They're, I mean, really impressive, and you can see, you, you can see, um, you can see why they're they're like they are. Everything makes perfect sense about them, and uh, yeah, and to I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be mysterious. My my whole thing is that if I can wear open back headphones, I'll wear open back headphones because they're just you know uh, more comfortable and easier to wear. But sometimes you can't. And for those times when you can't, these are a really, really good option. And I, I got out my old pair of DT-100s and then put these on and went, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're not ageing well, <laughs> DT-100s. No. no, these are a very nice pair of headphones and definitely, definitely worth checking out if you need some good ones. What about you, Mike? What's yours? Uh, well, mine is um, a, a a little application called FF Works. Um if you work in post and you need to uh, process video files because you're doing work to picture, um, we've for a long, long time always recommended MPEG Stream Clip to convert your video files from one format to another. So often we get sent video files in you know H.264 because it's nice small file size, but those sorts of files don't tend to play too nicely with Pro Tools. Uh, Pro Tools uh probably plays best either with uh, Avid, uh with Apple ProRes or with Avid's DNX HD formats and MPEG Stream Clip was a brilliant tool uh free piece of software to convert them um however when the Mac OS 1015 comes out the replacement to Mojave um that 
new operating system 10.15 will not support 32-bit applications and will not have QuickTime 7 built into it. QuickTime will finally be um, removed from the uh, Mac OS. Uh, yes, there'll be the QuickTime player, what we call, if you, what some people call QuickTime 10, but effectively it's only QuickTime in name only. It's the AV foundation behind the software behind it. Um, and so for two reasons now, MPEG Stream Clip won't work when 10.15 comes out. And so I've been looking around for a solution. I found the solution in terms of a piece of free software called FFmpeg, but that's a command line uh, tool. So you have to talk um, command language uh, to make it do things. And as anybody's ever tried to do that, uh, the, you have to get all the letters and words in exactly the right format with the spaces and otherwise it doesn't work. And FF Tools essentially is a graphic user interface for this free uh, FFmpeg. Uh, 20 euros, uh, excellent, uh, very clever piece of conversion software. Um, I've just put out an article on how to use it uh, and so that is my find of the week. And on that, uh, it's time to say goodnight. So it's goodnight from me. It's goodnight from me. And it's goodnight from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.